Hey everyone, welcome back to the Outside Voice Studios podcast. I'm your host, Bo Spencer. My guest today is an amazing artist, muralist, and community activist. He's created large-scale graphics and artwork for Disney, Pixar, Activision, Modelo, and many more. It's an honor and a pleasure to have him on the show. Please welcome Mr. Levi Ponce. How you doing, brother? And appreciate it. Yeah, man, it's uh, it's great to catch up with you. Um, I met you last year at the Graffyard Boogie with the Great One Eighters, and uh, that was, for me, man, that was such a such a humbling and fun experience. You know, um, it, it, it those guys are amazing. I love I love doing anything that actually you know involves art and the community at the same time and brings people together. And uh, Great One Eighters, they know how to do that for sure. Yeah, man, those guys have a good time. Graphyard Boogie is one of my favorite events of the year. Um, I look forward to this uh, upcoming Graphyard next year. Yeah, for sure. So how did you get involved with those guys? I mean, we all grew up in the same neighborhood. Um, and that's you're, you're from Pacoima, correct? That's right, from Pacoima, California. We all grew up in Pacoima, and uh, I guess we're bound to crash into each other at one point or another. But we met through, through the arts. They were holding a... Uh, I mean, they, 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 the great one-haters do youth empowerment through the positive elements of hip-hop with, you know, music, uh, dancing, and, of course, the art. And it was in Graphyard that they first reached out and said, hey, we see all the amazing art you do in our community. We were wondering if you would participate in this event. And, I mean, I'm always happy to paint. So I went over there and painted it up, and we've been friends ever since. We shortly did a mural together after that. One of their artists served one. Uh, and I got together and painted uh, Lady of the Valley there and on Arlita and Van Nuys. That's sick, man. Yeah, I, dude, you've done work all over the place. It was funny. I was looking at your website, doing a little research on you, and uh, on on your bio page, the picture of you from like 1991, just young Levi out there with the brush painting the wall. It was it, that's such a cool picture, man. So, and you've been at this for a long time. So let, let's talk about a little bit of your early upbringing, and um, you know, your dad Hector Ponce is. <laughs> That guy's a living legend from everything that I've been told. And uh, so it's let, let me hear about uh, just being raised by that guy. And then also, you know, what it was like re- uh, growing up in Pacoima. Um, being raised by my dad was, was uh, I don't know, it was a chocolate full of stories, that's for sure. I think that <laughs> photograph you mentioned is on, on the floor of uh, uh, the MacArthur Park area. I think that was like around 1994. Um, but yeah, being raised by my dad, oof, where to start, um, the guy's insane, uh, he's not your typical parent, uh, he left this country and walked here over six years, all he took with him was his brushes, he figured he could make money as he went, and he did, Wow. um, he's, uh, again, insane, uh, I went to work and did, uh, things that children probably shouldn't be doing, like, you know, seven-year-olds climbing up on two-story buildings and painting, like, I don't know. When I was 17, I was, you know, 12 stories up on the side of the Hotel Figueroa doing work for, for CBS Outdoors. And again, that's pop. Like, I don't know, some might see that as child endangerment. Like, as far as we saw it, we were just working. You know what I mean? Man, you can't so, trade that experience either, you know? <laughs> I, don't think he, I don't think either of us saw it that way. I think my dad, you know, sometimes had, had me for the day and he took me along and I never saw it as him placing me in any kind of danger or any or any kind of situation, and and we worked the streets. I mean, I don't know. I think uh, 
he had he had such a rough upbringing himself and went through so much to get here in Mexico. You know, two years with Veracruz, two years Mexico City, two years Tijuana, and scaling walls, painting murals. I mean, it's experiences that, you know, I'll cherish for the rest of my life. Um, I just got into it today uh, with him. I think I was telling you earlier, I got into it with him about paint sheen, which is, you know, about as bad as our arguments get, where you get mad about, you know, differences in paint sheen. <laughs> <laughs> Semi-gloss or matte, yeah. <laughs> we never, and we never, you know, you know, we never fight. But whenever there is something to, like, argue about, it's usually about paint. It's not, you know, things that actually matter. We have a great relationship. It's never really been father-son. People say we're more like friends, and we see it the same way when we work. It's not really... We've never partnered up. Like, he has his business, I have mine. Sometimes I need his help, and sometimes he needs mine, and that's what it is, you know? Um, like, we're just great friends. Um, and most of my friends are friends with him, you know, in their own accord. They have their own Hector Ponce stories and do their own thing and, and hire him and work with him and meet up with him and, and do their thing. My dad's, my dad's the coolest 65-year-old I know. Ah, oh, that's amazing, man. Was it encouragement or was it just by default, you know, being around your dad and he's got you working and going out and painting murals with him and scaling buildings? Um, so he, he encouraged you to have an art career. You know, I don't think, uh, again, when we went out on these trips, I mean, that, that was the family business. That's what he did for income. He was never, you know, encouraging me to be an artist. To be an artist. He was never pushing creativity. He was just going to work and... You know, he taught me what he could when he could. Usually I, I learned by doing. And, you know, it, it was never seen as, as any kind of legacy or anything like that. We were just going to work, and, and it was the family business, and art and paint was a way to put food on the table. And that's how I was raised. So I've always seen art as a business first and, you know, as a pleasure second. And it wasn't until I was 24 and started painting on what's now known as Mural Mile that I discovered what painting for pleasure was. But again, I was raised with this being the family business. And, you know, it was, I worked with my, for my dad until I was about 14, 15. He didn't pay me much. I think he was giving me 10, 20 bucks a day at that point. And I realized I could, you know, poach the clients he didn't want, the smaller jobs, and make a couple hundred bucks on a weekend while my friends had to work all week to get that. So... You know, that was that was it there. I left the nest kind of early, and, and I've been painting on my own ever since. I painted my way through college, and, um, yeah, it's, it's been a great ride. Man, I uh, I respect your business savvy so much, and the way and the fact that you do treat this as a business, um, especially with some of the more commercial work that you do. I mean, you've worked with, I, I mean, more people than I can even name. I mean, Disney, Pixar, uh, you know, you did um, the Venom, you've worked with Chase. I, I, I could, the list goes on and on and on, but you seem to have a very good understanding of art itself on the technical side and then also art on the business side and then also you have a great understanding of art's impact on the community and what it does to the people of that community and what it does to the value of that community is that something that you picked up from school um did did they teach you that in college because i noticed that you have a ba um in animation is that correct that was a lot there thank you that was very flattering um i like to think that i'm still learning in all three categories and have a long way to go business uh community impact and technical skills but yeah i have a bachelor's degree from cal state northridge 2009 uh i studied animation 3d animation i that led me to work in motion graphics and compositing which kind of led to work in film i worked on interstellar 
as practical visual effects. And uh, I worked with the house. They got the the Academy Award for that film, so that was kind of cool, working with some of the best people in the industry when it comes to VFX. I also did digital compositing on Star Wars The Force Awakens, which was an amazing experience. That's fascinating. Uh, How'd you get involved with those projects? You know, it's funny you should ask that, because I talked about not discovering painting for pleasure until I was 24 and started painting on Van Nuys. I, I was an animation major, and I applied for an internship, didn't get it, and I applied for, you know, the graduate inter- internship, that, uh, you know, postgraduate. I applied for all kinds of things at Disney and never got it, never heard back. I think a lot of people can relate to that, you know, whether it be Disney or anything else. Yeah. And I moved on, you know, like, all right, cool, I'm working here now, and I'm working there now, and, and, and I did my rounds working small potato shops and uh, studios. But... um. You know, fast forward, it's been a couple of years since, since I graduated and I'm, and I'm working and, and all that, but I start painting on Van Nuys and I start painting on Van Nuys relentlessly with the sole intent of changing Van Nuys and, you know, that little corridor where I grew up. I grew up on Laurel Canyon and Van Nuys and it just takes off. It's, people love it, people enjoy it, and I love it and I have such a great time doing it that I persist like none other and I painted like 12 murals that first year and, and it was a ton and they got a ton of attention and it was actually a studio head that noticed the work that reached out and said, Hey, I love, I love your work. Blah, blah, blah. And I was like, Oh, thank you so much. I noticed who she was. And I said, by the way, I'm also an animation artist. I'm also a composite artist. If you, if you guys ever need any kind of support, I'd, I'd love to, you know, come check you guys out and vice versa. And, and she's like, Oh, that's, you know, that's amazing to hear. You should come take a tour of the studio. And that was New Deal Studios. And I was talking to Shannon Gon, CEO of New Deal Studios. And, you know, she put me on. She goes like, wow, like, you know, work on this movie. And she goes, this is amazing. And, you know, we'd love to see what you can do, you know, in what they called the back, which was where practical effects took place because they had digital department up front and they had a, a two sound stages in the back where they built, you know, some of the best effects in the industry. If not, you know, that year, the best effects in the industry, Academy Award winning. So I was eager to <laughs> work back there, too. I thought it was amazing. It was a bunch of toys. You know, it was tools and models and, and also, and, you know, great people, the talented people. And so I, I got to work on that project. And, you know, uh, again, you know, through other means, I, I worked on a lot of stuff. I was a Disney Imagineer for almost five years. And it was during that time that um, I was recommended by somebody I had worked on a smaller film before. You know, they needed, they needed support on Star Wars for digital compositing. And, you know, he wasn't available, so, but he recommended me because we had worked together uh, at New Deal. So, you know, that's, you know, you, you, you kind of just bounce around from project to project. It's like anything else. I think our, our business particularly is really heavy on word of mouth and recommendations. And those shouldn't be taken lightly um, because people are putting their own career in front of yours when they recommend you. And so, again, you know, you, you, you fulfill, you, you, you say what you're going to do and you do it, and that leads to a lot of work. And it seems like such a simple concept, but a lot of people have trouble delivering what they say that they will when they will, you know? Yeah, totally. And a lot of people have difficult times put, like getting themselves out there, you know, going and doing the networking and um, understanding how to speak to clients. That's something uh, that I wanted to ask you about. For a lot of your work, I assume uh, that you have to do very detailed and uh, very solid um, proposals. What are a couple tips that you would give younger artists or emerging artists that are looking to do more corporate and uh, commercial work? What are things that you would tell them about building a solid uh, proposal? A solid proposal? Well, 
I don't know. Proposals are all, are always uh, it's it's not straightforward. It's always a, a balance of things. I suppose it's a balance of you know obviously money. <laughs> yeah. A balance of how much you like the project and how much you need the project. So you might charge a thousand dollars for a project today that you might charge you know less for tomorrow or vice versa. But again, if you need the money. You should probably charge that to make sure you get that. A working artist is the best artist, and work begets work. And you know, if if you want the project, you should probably lower the money, right? If, if you need the, I don't know. It, it, it's always a balance between those three. Ultimately, the best advice I could give you, you know, isn't really detailed. I find artists are going to do what they're going to do anyways. The best advice I could give on this subject matter is you should be working. So whether you're working for a lot or a little, figure it out. And if and if you don't get the job, you should still work. The only way to get work as an artist is to be working. If people, I mean, you should really attract an audience, not beg for one. And the best way to do that is to work. If I'm a muralist. If I go out there and I paint murals every day, people walk up to me and say, I need a mural, and they hire me. They're not going to ask me if I can do the job. They see me doing it. And the difference there is that they are coming to me, and it's, this is basic sales skills. You can take a sales course. That's probably a great thing for every artist to do. But this is basic sales skills. You know, it's it's, it's like two percent cold calling. It's like forty percent on referrals, or, or like forty percent on when someone's looking for what you need, and like ninety percent on referral. You want a referral, and you want to find people who are looking for the service you provide. That's where the high sales numbers are. That's when you're going to get great numbers. You're, you're going to get terrible numbers. <laughs> <laughs> If you go out there and start telling people, I paint, can I paint your thing? That's not how it works. You should really be attracting. So if you're an illustrator, you should be illustrating daily and putting it on the social media and showing people illustrate in public, do, do what you got to do. Muralists go out there and paint every day because people want to hire people that are working. If you're not working, there's probably something wrong with you is what the average person would assume. It's like, oh, well, you're probably not that good or you'd have a job. and You know what I'm saying? Absolutely. So, the best advice I could do is like whether you're going in cheap or expensive, you should be working, and you got to leverage every job for the next. You got to you, you should always keep an eye out for the next job. You should smile. You should shower. You should show up clean. You should you know do what you got to do to be presentable and professional. Don't show up in sweatpants and flip flops. You know, half baked from the night before. You know, trying that's not how it works, and that's not why that's not how people are going to approach you. Being so, professional you know. is very important, man. Um, there's a book by Stephen Pressfield that I read that's called Turning Pro, and it's all about the difference between the amateur and the professional. You know, everything that you just mentioned are habits of a professional. You know, the amateur is the guy that rolls in hungover, rolls in in the flip flops and unprepared, and you know, the professional is the guy that shows up on time with a coffee in his hand and a smile on his face and ready to work. So. I uh, I exactly. definitely I definitely respect that. Um, so is there any uh, is there any paperwork that you clear? Is there any contracts or paperwork that you usually clear with a, co- a client just to protect yourself on like a legal end? I know that there have been several cases in the past of murals having advertisement campaigns built around them, and the murals been in the background. Um, Jeff Soto recently in the Mercedes Benz case. Uh, Mercedes, I guess, just parked one of their vehicles in front of their mural, took pictures of it, and then blasted it all over their social media without giving 
<clears throat> Jeff Soto and the other artist any credit. Is there anything um, on the legal end that you do? Do you have copyrights to protect yourself? Um, yeah, is there anything like that that you go through? No, and I guess I have two things to say about that. The first is I completely understand the frustration of not being credited for work and not getting that shout-out and not being paid and not being, again, being the proper credit, being not getting the proper credit for work that you've done. I completely understand. Nobody understands that more than me, and I'm sure you as well. But having said that, if you're painting something in public, out in the street, for the people, for everyone to take in, whether they want to or not, you got to take some punches, which includes, you know what, it's out in the open, people are going to photograph it, people are going to shoot it, and some people might make money off of it. You know, it's, it is what it is. Yeah, it's it's interesting times right now, you know. I mean, social media dictates so much. I mean, even even politics have changed based off social media and the impacts that it's had. Um, social media is really interesting. I usually ask all of my guests about, you know, the pros and cons that they think that social media has brought to their careers. Do you do you even want to touch on that? I mean, how do you feel about Instagram? Has it has it helped or uh, or hurt? I don't think that it would really hurt you, but I mean, has it has it caused you any issues or has it been um, extremely beneficial on your part? Yeah, I think it's great. I think it benefits all artists. I mean, it's it's an advertisement with every picture, and it's and it's real. It's somebody's emotions and and life attached to it. It's not just, you know, a forced photo. Somebody liked it. Somebody took a photo of it. Somebody shared it, right? Totally. Um, so I think it only benefits artists. I'm so happy it's there. It it means that if you paint a wall in an alley in some unknown street in some unknown city, if it's good, it's going to make its rounds and people will know it. Yeah. And that wasn't before, so got to give it up to social media. Totally. Totally. I respect that. Uh, so let's talk about the uh, the recent mural that you did for Danny Trejo in his uh, garage, man. Those cars looked amazing. Oh, yeah. The guy's a crazy car collector, and he's got, you know, that's just what he has at home. He's got other cars in the shop and other places. It's and you've done another but, mural. You did a you painted a mural, actually, of him before this, correct? Yeah, that was actually the first mural I painted for fun. Uh, the first non-commercial piece I did it was oh, nice. Danny Trejo. It's, it's terrible. People shouldn't Google it. It's terrible. <laughs> But yeah, I, I did paint Danny. That that was my first one. It was it was a great time, and he came out, and it was very inspiring and very motivating. You know, to have the person you're painting come out on your first mural. Um, so I, I I owe a lot to Danny, and I'm thankful for his friendship and support. That's awesome. So what so what did uh explain to the listeners what you painted in his garage for him? Danny called me up and and wanted some murals, and we went back and forth and concluded we would do you know some some people from his movies and some cars from his garage and you know that's kind of where we left it so i went back home and started putting some stuff together and i always see danny at these different car events at different places and so i figured i'd start off with some places i've seen him at so i picked out a few and and, and you know sent him his way and he goes that's great but he goes these aren't my places you know what i want is you know you know far east market i want you know dale's liquor i want circus liquor i want Bob's big boy, and I'm like, all right. I mean, that's, that's awesome. That's right there with what I'm doing. I'm all valley, you know. I'm from the valley. I love the valley. I wreck the valley. Cool, let's do it, you know. I said, Dale's Market, that's that's kind of, you know, random. That's, well, why Dale's Market? You know, and he goes, oh, I robbed it in 62. Oh, nice. It was my first robbery, and I was like, what? That's insane. So, you know, he went out to tell me some stories and, you know, and 
I don't know. It was it was great times. So that mural is kind of a play off off that story. Um, but Bob's Big Boy was in that list of places hit in '62. So <laughs> <laughs> that's great, man. We're kind of turning it into a series in his garage. It's it's going to be pretty cool. Three more to go. That's great, man. I'm looking forward to seeing the rest of those. Um, so, so Danny Trejo is definitely a pillar of the community. Let's talk about another one. Uh, unfortunately, Nipsey Hussle recently passed, but you guys, I think, gave an amazing tribute mural to him. Um, touch on that a little bit, how that came about, and what, what Nipsey Hussle really meant to the city of Los Angeles and the communities there. Um, Nipsey was a fun piece. Uh, I did that with my boy Mike Rivera and the homie Red, Red the Razor. Um... There's a cool video out by the other homie, uh, Fernando Cabrales. I think it's on YouTube or something like that. And uh, We all went out there and, and took care of that pretty much in a day. We got out there about midday the first day and came back and worked another half day the next. But um, check out the time lapse, like I said. Uh, so how did that come to be? We uh, obviously got news and it was very tragic. And Fernando shot me a text and said, hey, do you, do you plan on painting anything? And, you know, to be honest, at the time, I didn't. I was working, and then I was, it just didn't cross my mind. And I go, and I just said, I don't know, you know. And, uh, you know, it was then that I, I, I've been saying, you know, I, that I'd rediscovered Nipsey. Like, I knew his music, you know, we've been listening to it. We had it in college. We had it, you know, I'm, I like his music. But I, I didn't know him in depth. I didn't know about, you know, his community involvement. I didn't know about his investing and, and, and you know, his, his hometown, which I can relate to. I didn't, I didn't know about a lot of things that, you know, came to light, really, when, when he passed, sadly. So I was inspired by that, and I wanted to, you know, echo that legacy and, 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 and make sure that legacy lives on, you know, Nipsey's legacy. And so... You know, I, I hit up I hit up the homies. I was like, hey, how about painting Nipsey tomorrow? How about doing this tomorrow? And, you know, we needed a wall, so I kind of put some feelers out there. And my boy, uh, Boom, uh, Boom Hop Day, was, uh, was, I guess, hanging out with Atlas. And he said, I think Atlas can get you a wall. And I was like, all right, well, let's do it. You know, I didn't really care where the wall was. I think uh, a lot of artists are picky about the walls. But like I said, it's your shit's good, it's gonna fly, you know what I mean, that's what social media's for, and, you know, it's kind of like the stone of the build to refuse, and so, when we got this wall, we hit it, and it was kind of cutty, 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 you know what I mean, it's deep in, in that industrial complex there, yeah. and it's hard to find, but as soon as the photos started getting out, people started finding the wall, people started driving up, and they haven't stopped, you know, it made, it made the rounds online, Billboard picked it up, um, it, it's, it's pretty cool. So I'm glad that we were able to pay our, you know, our dues and sort of contribute to his legacy and hopefully it will live on. Hopefully the wall will write on and, uh, you know, we're hoping to, uh, expand on that. We'll see, uh, where it goes in the future, but we're hoping to do more hip hop artists in that same area. I'll keep it posted. That's great, man. We're looking forward to seeing that. Um, it's terrible anytime, you know, we've lost a lot of young artists, uh, over the past couple of years, and I don't know if it's more than any time in history, but it might just be that with social media, we all notice it now, and uh, we all feel it, and it's always really disappointing when something like that happens, but I love 
<clears throat> I think it's really cool and important whenever you see the city kind of band together, the communities come together and then, you know, show tribute to a person that did have something to do with the culture and an impact on the communities. I think that that's really great. And you guys, I mean, you did an amazing job. Um, let's talk about y your portraiture a little bit. I mean, did was that something that you learned in school or was that something that you picked up from your father or was that something that was self-taught over time? Um, you know, it's a lot of things. It's a, I got to give credit to a lot of people, but I guess in order, kind of more or less, I'll start with my dad. He obviously, you know, got me down into, he just introduced me to the industry. So I learned my painting skills from my father, but I was kind of pushed by, by the animation degree because it forced me to not only look at still images, but look at moving images, look at, really understand what happens with light, you know, beyond the still that we look at in a photo. You know, that photo is a still of a movement. It really helped me understand that. It really helped me understand lighting, uh, particularly concentrating in, in 3D animation. That that was huge. Um, right right in, alongside my father was Tom Smith, who I consider my honorary grandfather. He used to, be, uh, used to work with my dad, but uh, he's older than my dad. He's maybe 15, 20 years older. So he was always like that older figure. I never really had a grandfather. I had grandmothers, but my grandfather passed away when I was young. You know, again, he was my honorary, honorary grandfather, and he was a phenomenal painter. studied at Chenard, what's now known as Art Center, under some folks that uh, ironically worked at Imagineering, which is where I ended up at one point, right? Kind of comes full circle. Nice. But um, so he's out of Iowa, went, went to uh, Iowa State, went out here for Chenard, you know, ended up staying. But uh, the, the guy's phenomenal. He's a phenomenal, you know, artist. And I learned a lot from him. He primarily works with pastels or likes to. And he really broke down how pastels work. And and what I really picked up from pastels that was more subliminal and affects my work greatly there is that there's no wet blending. You know, people often try and, and do wet blends on walls. And, you know, graffiti artists kind of understand what I mean when I talk about layering. You know, we, we tend to layer. We don't really blend. We layer. You know, yeah. we don't hold two cans together. So it's like, okay, but I don't use cans. I use a brush. So how does this apply? And so I really started thinking about using, you know, brushwork as, as layers as well. And and anywho, I, I could go on for days with the specifics, but essentially I, I realized that I shouldn't be wet blending, and I don't wet blend. All, the, all my murals, if you look at them, there's no wet blending. It's, it's all layering. And... You know, that allowed me to work faster. It allowed me to work, I don't know, it, it, and it gave, gave me a great deal of more control uh, than, than with wet blending. And also, as most people know, with wet blending and, and most people use acrylic, it, they struggle with the dry times. But by not doing wet blends, the dry times are actually an advantage. And the faster it dries, the faster I can finish. So, you know, you can, I kind of took a disadvantage and leveraged it to an advantage with something that I picked up from Tom Smith and applied to what I learned from my father and, you know, adjusted with the lighting from an animation degree. You know, that's kind of where my portraiture stands, I guess. 
Nice. Uh, you touched on something, how you use a brush and don't use any spray paint, which I think would surprise a lot of people if they see the amount of, of detail and the lighting that you're talking about. Um, why only using brush? Is there, you know, um, I, I heard you talk on an interview saying that there's some negative connotations towards graffiti in the spray paint can um, and how you use only brush. Would you elaborate on that a little bit? Yeah, so that's like a two-parter there. So you're right. I have said before that there's a negative connotation to using spray paint. Um, the reason for that was that I was talking about it in relation to doing community work. And when I work at a school or when I work, you know, with a community to create a mural, I find that people are often turned off. Parents, adults, conservatives, whoever it might be, are turned off or see less of a value in the art piece if it's done with aerosol. And I would hate for our efforts to not be noticed or be, you know, demeaned or belittled because we're using cans as opposed to brushes. Just a so different kind of, tool. How crazy is that? Right? So a little bias there, but so that's what I was saying uh, in that interview. Um, having said that, I never used cans to begin with. Um, I can use cans. Uh, you know, ironically, I just used cans on a Nipsey piece. That's the first mural I put out where I used cans, but um, I... I grew up with a brush, and I have a great more deal of control with a brush, and, you know, I'm faster with a brush, and, you know, again, that Nipsey piece was done in a day, so it is what it is. Like, it's just the tool I know. What are some of your uh, favorite recent pieces that you've done? Let me see here. I don't know. That Danny Trejo piece was pretty fun. Um, I painted him, and I met him, and I never really had a relationship with him until this mural where, you know, it was really, you know, back and forth and chit chat and you know where'd you grow up and where's that and what about that you know like it, it was pretty cool just to talk to him as a person you know yeah that's cool um, so that was a fun one and uh i recently did a 70 foot wall down in tustin with uh via my friend uh addy gonzalez of 1111 who at the time was working for a company called now art la who was the consultant on the development of tustin flight so, uh, yeah, we did that mural down there. It was designed by Shag, and he doesn't paint at that scale, so they just needed a hired gun, and I was all about it. So I got to meet Shag and got to have my plans autographed, and you know, it, was, it was cool. And made a few dollars on the side as well, so can't complain. That was a really cool one. Super tall wall, a lot of fun equipment. You know, I got, got a lot of my friends' space. That's what, you know, I love giving up the pie. I love it when the projects allow me to hire people that I've worked with in the past, you know, uh, for free. So, so yeah, that was that was a cool one. Uh, before that, I did a cha I did Chase Tower, uh, Chase Bank Building down in Austin, Texas. That was a fun one. Um, always happy to travel, but in this case specifically, I got to take my dad. I hired him as my assistant, and uh, the Chase you know, Tower is a it's it's a very colorful piece, correct? That's right. Yeah, I, man, I saw that piece. I, I really love that piece. I'm a sucker for color, man, and I saw that, and I was just like, holy shit, man, that's amazing. Thanks, man, yeah. Um, that was actually the first one I did with that same company, Now Art LA, uh, in Texas, ironically. But, yeah, Now Art LA was, was the consultants on that, and, yeah, it was a good one. That's great, man. That was a big piece. What is the what's the biggest piece that you've done? I saw that you did the uh, the piece in North Hollywood, the mural for City Council, and that was over ten thousand square feet. That was uh, just under ten thousand. It was huge. Um, 
But it's not the biggest piece I've done. The biggest piece I've done was actually for Disney Imagineering. It was over 80,000 square feet. Um, like I said, I was at Disney for almost five years, and I produced a lot of work, both digital, printed, and hand-painted, and a combination of both. Uh, primarily UV reactive paint uh, for parks in Florida. I did the uh, Millennium Falcon here for Star Wars Land. It opens May 31st. Oh, nice. Uh, so that entire interior uh, was done by this guy, which is incredible to say and incredibly humbling experience. And uh, yeah, but the biggest one I did was actually uh, for Frozen, Frozen Ever After in Disney World, Florida. Um, <laughs> It's 80,000 square feet of mostly sky, but uh, there's, you know, some ships and some clouds and some ocean and some mountains and some what, you know, a little here and there. But it's a background mural for the big splash when you come off the uh, second story there on the ride. For anybody who rides it, they might recall what I mean. But, yeah, it's, uh, you know, it's, it's interesting commercial work. You know, you do a lot of it, and, it's, and it gets a lot of attention, and, and you know, it's, it's, well, it's uh, definitely it's interesting very... working with amusement parks. I uh, I lived in Orlando for a couple of years and worked with a scenic art studio there, and we did, we worked on uh, on some projects for Universal. We did the Halloween Horror Nights. We painted the haunted houses and did stuff like that, and then painted a couple murals for other amusement parks. But um, yeah, that kind of commercial work is really interesting, especially when you have art directors and you're doing other people's designs or you know, using other people's characters or, uh, uh, you know, key components. It's it's really interesting, the back and forth and figuring out how to make that all work and become a cohesive piece. It's a lot of moving parts, you know. And, it, again, it separates the, the amateurs from the pros. It really becomes more about you and not so much about the art. Everybody at that level can, can do their job. So it really becomes about the person. So, you know, it's, it's I learned a lot in my years at Disney. And when I left, I was definitely ready to leave. Um, but uh, I was, it, was a, it was an amazing ride. And, and, you know, I hope to be back someday. It'd be great to uh, be back someday. Very nice. Let's see here. I also want to ask you about the uh, about the Venom release party, uh, the block party that you did. But before we do that, I want to talk about a little bit about the commercial side of things, how there's so many different styles. Um, I'm, I don't know, man, I, I've drawn and painted as an amateur my whole life, and I've been taking it serious for the past five or six years, you know, and really, for me, I, I think I'm still heavy in a development period, heavy in a development stage at where the more sketching, the more self-education I do, you know, the more reading and, and, thing, and, and just painting, you know, doing the friggin' work, um, the better I will get and I'll find more of my own identity through that. I do sometimes, I don't, I don't know if it's external uh, criticism or if it's just me criticizing myself, but for having so many styles or so many directions, um, I, I, how do you, you kind of deal with that? What, what's your balance between the commercial work and your personal work? You mean, how do I balance, you know, like client needs and what I want to do? Yeah. I don't know. Anytime I'm being paid money, I immediately just let go of anything that I want or care about because I'm doing this for the money. Yeah. So let's do what the client wants and needs. You know, if I disagree, which I often do, and you know, I wait until they're finished and I let them know that we can definitely do that. And, you know, that I have some concerns and these are them and this is why and this is how and here are some options, but I'm happy to move forward with whatever they choose. Again, that's being professional and that's, you know, ultimately, you know, working, you know. Absolutely. It is what it, there are some people who 
have the privilege of producing whatever, you know, their heart desires and getting paid, you know, and if that's, you know, what you got hired to do, then that's when you do it. But most of the time it's not, you know, most of us take direction or take a color palette or take a brand or take something from the client to work with. So, you know, it's, you're being paid to do your job. You know? Totally. Totally. Like, again, that goes back to being professional, like you were saying. Um, so let's talk about the uh, Venom release block party, man. How did, uh, how did that all come about? You know, that's probably the number one question people ask me. So how did you, like, how do you, how did you get this? Like, how did, how does this work? It's like, I don't know, people write me emails. It's like, every day I check my inbox and there's emails and I read through them and, you know, reply to the ones that seem good and, you know, reply to the ones that don't seem good. And if there's anything left over, I try and hook up some friends and, you know, take it from there. But I got an email from, you know, a, a producer it was producing the event. And um, ironically, I think a, a buddy of mine was in the room when my name was mentioned. And, you know, he kind of echoed it and said, oh, yeah, fuck yeah, hire Levi. So, yeah, you know, they, they looked into my work and, you know, they thought it was a good fit. And it was me and a guy by the name of Max Moses and uh, Risk Rock. So... We were the three chosen to do do the wall there, and it was a good time. Uh, one day banger, you know. It was cool watching Risk work, you know. It was cool uh, watching Max work, and and it was a really fun night. At the end, it was a cool cocktail party. We had a great time. Um, that's pretty amazing. So you've worked with all kinds of clients. Who are a couple of your dream clients that you haven't worked with, but you would love to work with? Huh, that's interesting. Who would I love to work with? I don't know. The White House. Really. What would you like to do for the White House? I don't know, but I mean, if you're gonna set the bar, set it high. So yeah. If, if I want to work, if I want to paint something or paint for someone, whether it's my own work or theirs, I'd love to hang a painting at the White House. Well, I would love to see. Uh, I would love to see you paint Air Force One. I think that would pre- that would be pretty cool flying through the air too. Ooh, there you go. <laughs> Oh, yeah. Okay, man. Well, I don't want to take up any more of your time. I've had you on the phone for almost an hour, but I uh, I do have to ask you one more question. I talked to the homie JP earlier, JP Murals, and um, I couldn't, I can't not get you on the podcast and ask you about the red truck and the sound that your air conditioner made. <laughs> oh, that's so true. That red truck, man, I ran that thing to the ground. <laughs> put in so much work with you know taking so much equipment all over all over california it was it was a good vehicle we called it the red storm yeah so basically i i had this truck for a while and truck was great but every time i ran the air conditioner it made this annoying clicking sound you know i I later found out what it was but at the time i didn't know what it what it was or how to fix it and youtube wasn't helping i tried googling it it was it just seemed too far out of reach and plus, you know, winter comes around sooner or later and you don't hear it for six months, so it makes it easy to kind of ignore. But for years, you know, JP would help me on jobs and, and, and come out and, you know, we'd, we'd ride around and, and, you know, he, he he was right there with me listening to the click, 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 click. <laughs> Every time I ran the air conditioner, it would go click, 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 click. You know, just turn up, turn up the music. You know, like <laughs> that's amazing, man. That's awesome. But the irony, you know, I, I sold, you know, I sold a truck. It was, you know, it was, it was done. That was it. And I went out and got another truck, which is the truck I have now. 
and I went to a dealer, which I've never done before in my life, and got a truck and did the thing. And a week later, I turned on the air conditioning, and it starts making a motherfucking clicking sound. I couldn't believe it. Oh, my gosh. And, and JP was in my truck not too, you know, not too much later and goes, oh, my God, bro. And he was pretty much saying that that was my thing and that, you know, I should just give up on life. But, <laughs> you know, it is what it is. I got six, you know, $200 later. But That's amazing. <laughs> That's hilarious. Yeah, he told me, I asked him, I was like, man, I really want to give, you know, I don't want this interview to be like every other interview. What's something that I could really ask him about? And he said two things. He said, ask him about his dad and then ask him about that red truck. So I had to do those two things, man. That red truck was amazing, man. Like, like I slept in that trunk when I was when I was painting Real Mile so many times. You know, I was. You know, we talked so much about success tonight, and I don't want to make give off the wrong impression. I think a lot of artists do that. It's not easy, and I haven't always made money. And there was times when I slept in my truck to paint murals. You know, I I moved back home a couple of years after school. I wasn't doing well. I was painting. I was I was working. And when I had free time, I would paint on Van Nuys. And, you know, sometimes it was like, all right, well, if I drive home tonight, it's 20 and gas. And then I'm not sure that I can be back tomorrow or I could just stay here tonight. And, of course, people say, whoa, just scratch on your friend's couch. Yeah, I did that. And the other friend's couch. And the other friend's couch. Exactly. You know what I mean? But it gets to the point where you're like, I can't, you know, you're intruding. And, you know, and at the time, people were like, dude, you're, you know, you're insane. You know, go go home and get some rest. Like, <laughs> Bro, I totally you know? understand that hustle, though, man. I mean, there for a little bit. I, I used to sell, when I first came out to L.A., I got my start on the Venice Beach Boardwalk, man. And I was living in Hawthorne and Rosecrans. So I would, you know, I'd wake up, barely have enough gas in my car to get me to Venice. You know, definitely not enough to get me back. So I would have to be out there on the boardwalk all day and uh, hustling paintings, just trying to get, you know, enough money for a burger a cheese a cheeseburger a beer and a little bit of gas money home but uh that was my start and that's honestly where I saw um my first murals and I was like wow you know I'm from Kentucky and then I, I moved out here from Florida so the whole mural thing was very new to me and then moving out to LA and California it, it completely opened my eyes to a completely way uh, a different way of doing business and and what this career being an artist you know there's a million ways to make it you know you can you can paint murals, you can do gallery shows, you can do animation, you can do, there's a million ways to make it. And that's what I think is so fascinating about talking to different artists and, uh, and hearing a little bit of their stories. There's, you know, we've all got that. Yeah, man, I was sleeping in my car too, you know, and that's, I respect that. I respect that struggle. You know, it shows that we all, you know, the people that really put in the time, it's, uh, it's, it's cool to hear those stories. Yeah, man. Got to persevere, you know? Totally, totally, brother. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show, man. I mean, I could ask you questions for the next, you know, five hours and five days, but I don't want to take up too much of your time. And we'll catch up again next time I'm in L.A. But uh, again, brother, thank you so much for coming on the show. It was a real honor and a real pleasure talking to you. All right. Sounds great, man. You take care. Have a great night. Absolutely, brother. You too. Thank you. Thank you again to Levi. Thank you all for listening. Quick shout out to my friends at Art District Locals, at Biz323, at the 1908 Loft, and at the Seton Loft. Thank you all for the continued love and support. 
Be sure to subscribe and download. Follow us on Instagram at Outside Voice Studios and then online, outsidevoicestudios.com. Thank you guys. Peace. Peace.